where we are right now, how many of you understand that we have seasons? We have, we have fall, winter, spring, summer, and if you hate summer, it doesn't matter if you hate it or not, it's still coming. You can't, you can't avoid it. You can't rebuke it in Jesus' name. You can't re- reject it, and you can't run from it um, unless you're rich enough to. But summer is coming to East Texas whether we want it to come or not. So seasons, the Bible says as long as the earth remains, there will be seed time and harvest. There will be seasons that are going to roll around. We are in a season right now. It is a spiritual season. It is a, spir- it is a season that the Jewish people prepare for. So when you know winter is coming and you can't dismiss it and you can't avoid it, what do you do? You prepare for it, correct? When you know it's coming, you prepare for it. My mother started talking about winter yesterday because she knows what winter feels like at her house. So this season comes around every year, and it, it falls during uh, for three weeks, usually in the month, primarily in the month of July. It is called, for the Jewish people, it is called Between the Straits. And it starts on the 17th of Tammuz, which is one of their months, and it ends on the 9th of Av, which is another month. It's 21 days. And it represents a time in the Jewish history, all through Jewish history, where they were at their lowest point. For instance, they built the golden calf on the first day of Between the Straits. They turned, they rejected God and built the golden calf. Another thing that happened during this three-week period was on the last day of this season between the straits is when the 12 spies came back. They had seen the promised land, and they rejected that and went in unbelief and said, we cannot, we cannot receive, or we cannot walk into what um, God has said. It's too much for us. Also, it's when the first temple was destroyed, It's when the second temple was destroyed, and it's when the Holocaust took place. So between the straits is a spiritual season that comes, whether you want to accept it or not. You can can fight it, and it can destroy you, or you can prepare for it. Between the straits started for us this year, July the 6th. If you have battled the devil the last three months, not three months, heavily the last three weeks, You are experiencing a spiritual season where God is offering his children a promised land, but the enemy is offering you the opportunity to say, it's too hard, it's too big, I can't do it, okay? So your promised land, your promise is coming just like what God spoke to the children of Israel, yet at the same time, the enemy is trying to get you, he's, he's trying to get you to shrink back because of opposition. How many of you have felt like a new wave of spiritual opposition in your life in the last three weeks, in your marriage in the last three weeks? There you go. It's very spiritual. And so what the enemy is trying to get you to do is to come into agreement with unbelief. You need to, in order to prepare for this, you have to reject unbelief. During this season, I will not come into agreement with unbelief. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Okay, so this season actually ends on Thursday. I do just want to let you know in the spirit realm, the Jewish people do, they fast 
to kick off the season, and they fast to end the season. They know it is a time of repentance. It is a time of mourning uh, for unbelief and the things that that were brought into their lives out of unbelief so they they fast they consecrate and and they mourn um which goes along with repentance so it ends on this thursday just be prepared that this is what they believe and what they teach as it gets closer to the end it is like birth pains You will have contractions of spiritual pains, but you've got to know with every attack of the enemy over these next four days, your promise is coming to be revealed in Jesus' name. Now, let me tell you something that Pastor Jan did not know, nor did I know, nor did Jeremy Driver know, and we lived it. I want to show you how relevant this season is for your life. So, as you know, we are a comeback story. Our lives had fallen apart. Our marriage had fallen apart. We were broken. Who says this? We were tore up from the floor up. (laughs) Just in case there was going to be a service where it wasn't said, I thought I would say it. So, we were broken. It's in there. (laughs) We 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 were broken. Nobody knew it. Our pastors didn't know why, because our pastors were our parents. And a lot of times, your parents are the last people you want to know something because they worry. Pastors didn't know. Nobody knew. But things were rough. And yes, we were sitting on a church pew, lost sitting on a church pew. So we didn't know about the season of Between the Straits. Had no idea. Um, This particular year, I went to another church and... The pastor's wife was talking about what a tough season it was, and she mentioned it to me. I didn't look into it. All I knew was that it's, it's a time on the Jewish calendar where it's pretty tough, and you've got to really buckle down in faith. I didn't, look, I didn't look up the dates. I didn't do anything. But I knew I was facing something, and it didn't make a lot of sense to me. On the last day of the season of Between the Straits, the last day, our pastor our, our pastor at that time, our senior pastor now, he did not know about this either. Church was over. My husband was in the lobby. He would hit the lobby pretty quick. I probably would have too, except I had to fake it while I was singing on the praise team and acting all spiritual. And Pastor Jan, church was over. Pastor Jan stepped up to the microphone, and he said, The Lord just told me, That in the next 14 days, someone is going to receive a miracle. The person they are praying for is going, they're going to receive their miracle. In that moment, I had the chance to say, oh, that's just my dad. Oh, that's just my dad. He doesn't know how big the giant is in our marriage. He doesn't know how broken we are. He doesn't know how messed up we are. I had that opportunity to take the agreement of the doubters the 10 spies, or Caleb and Joshua to say, if God says we can take it, we can take it. I got on my knees probably about right here, and I came into agreement with what our pastor had just spoken over us. And we packed up from there, and we headed to Broken Bow, Oklahoma, and we had no idea what was in store for us that week. By the time we walked back into these doors the following Sunday, we were brand new. We were completely brand new people. So listen, 
You may want to ignore the seasons. You can ignore this season just like you can ignore the 100 degree heat today. Or you can say, I'm going to reject the voice of unbelief. I'm coming into agreement with what God has said. And I'm telling you on that last day when he spoke that, I came into agreement and immediately the birth pain started. But by the following Saturday... He wrapped me up. He put his hand on my wedding ring. We wept and we cried. And a new marriage was born on July the 28th. We have an anniversary coming up. God is big. So just know your promise is coming. Endure the rest of this season. It's not in vain. Love you. I receive it. I came into agreement with it. Tell me again, when is the season over? When does it end the day of this week? July the 27th, what Thursday. Day? That's a Thursday? What does this say right here? New signage ships this Thursday. <laughs> Maybe God's wanting to put a, some new signage up, and he's wanting to write a new sign across the, the, the front of your heart. Right across your soul. Put a name on you. Just the other day. Just the other day, we had a message here, a new identity. And so claim your new identity. Take what God's wanting to write on, on, across your heart and just receive it in the name of Jesus. It's time for a new identity. It's time for some new signage. And guess what? It ends on Thursday, and it ships on Thursday, and it's coming here, and we're going to put it up, and we're going to show it, and we're going to sh- tell everybody it's a new season. Amen? Thank you for sharing with us today. All right, in case I forget, and I don't remember to tell somebody, there's four people. I don't even know which four are getting baptized, but if that's you today and you know you're getting baptized, I've got it in my notes to to make a little prompt for you to get ready and move that direction. So uh, if it looks like I'm getting close to the end of the sermon, which some people feel like that from the very beginning, are are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Just get up and start making your way because we're going to baptize four today. Praise God for that. Amen. Something that has been on our hearts uh, very heavy here lately is the topic of oppression. And we know that uh, oppression is real, demonic oppression and things of that sort. And so uh, many pastors and churches don't want to speak on this issue. You know we're not afraid of it. We spoke on it Wednesday. We're not going to back up and run from the devil. We're not going to be scared to say the words, okay, that come along with... uh, working our way through deliverance with somebody. There's some terminology that's used. There's some terminology, you know, the word, how in the world can we preach this gospel of deliverance and never even mention the word demon? Some churches, a pastor, in some churches, he's like, I won't say that word because I don't want to scare off Brother Big Bucks who gives so much to this church and he writes a a faithful tithe check and I don't want to scare anybody. Well, here's the thing. There's many of his congregation that are walking around and waking up every morning and they are literally saying to themselves, I'm scared. I'm scared. I don't, I'm, I don't know what the enemy has in store for my family or my home. So you've heard it said before, people say this, I've got my demons. You know, they say it kind of jokingly like, well, how's it going? How you doing? Well, you know me, i got my demons. And uh, boy, that devil, he's been on my back all week long. And uh, we say those things kind of in jest and joking jokingly but the facts are 
demons are for real. Angels are for real. Many people want to believe in the angels and the blessings of God, but they don't really so much want to believe in the devils and the demons and the spirits of this world. Uh, demons don't die. Okay? We need to understand that. People die. Demons don't die. And there is a spirit world and realm that is here. And we need to realize that the same symptoms that we may be facing, that our parents face, that our grandparents face, that our great-grandparents face, and maybe you've been on uh, the website and you've got all the family tree and you know stories about somebody that was in the old west days and you can get a story, uh, what is the website, I can't remember, what is it? Ancestry. There is a lot wrapped up in that, that word ancestry. There is a lot wrapped up in that word. And you don't know what has been passed down to you from generation to generation to generation. And you don't even understand it sometimes. You're like, why am I going through this? I'm doing all the right things. I'm working out. I'm drinking the right things. I'm taking the vitamins. I'm doing all the right things. And then, bam, out of nowhere, the tumor appears. And, and I don't even understand. I'm doing everything right. It's because you're dealing with an ancestral curse that has been on your family. It's like, well, my mom had cancer. My grandmother had cancer. My sister had cancer. I'm just, I'm going to have cancer. I'm not even kidding. I worked with a man as uh in, in the job that I'm in, and he would come to work, and he would say this, and it was before I understood curses, and it's before I really did a lot of study into this topic, and I didn't even understand it, but it just felt so wrong how he would speak such negative language, but he would come to work, and he would be like, man, my sister had colon cancer, and uh, my mom had colon cancer, and he would joke about it and say, I know it's just a matter of time, I'm going to have colon cancer. Now, there was a part of him that he wanted to push that away and protect himself so his insurance would not pay for uh, the colonoscopy exam that men have to do uh, at a certain age in their life. And so he even pushed it further. And he, instead of having one every few years, he would have one once a year. And then he would have twice a year he would go. And he would even pay for an extra one because the insurance says we're not... You're pushing the envelope by having an exam and a scan once a year. We only want to do that every three to five years. But we're, we're not going to pay for it twice a year for sure. They started paying for it once a year, and so he would have it twice a year. But he would always say, I know I'm going to get cancer. I'm going to have cancer. Cancer's going to get me. It's just a matter of time. Lo and behold, he gets cancer in his colon with all of the scans, with all of the checks, because he was scanning and checking in the lower area and it was not there. It happened in his upper GI and so he had cancer in that intestinal tract. And he died of cancer. And I would tell him over and over and over, stop saying that. Why don't you just pray, Lord, help me to, to, to get away from cancer. Deliver me from cancer. I didn't even understand it. I didn't even know what to pray. I didn't know to just speak against certain things and pray to it specifically in the name of Jesus and bind it. And cancel it. And close the door. But every day he would open the door. I'm going to get cancer. I'm going to get cancer. He was facing a curse that had ran through his family. He, he named off family member after family member after family member that had died of the exact same cancer. Hocus pocus preacher. What are you talking about? No, no. I'm dealing with alcohol because 
It was on me. I did it. I went and I did something when I was a young kid. And, I, and now I, no, it's all. No. You don't even realize that there is something you're dealing with that somebody didn't take care of and kill a long time before you. And so today, I want to talk about how it can end with me. Look at your neighbor and say, it ends with me. It ends with me. I won't deal with the same symptoms. I'm not going to deal with the bitterness, the anger, the addiction, the depression. I will not deal with that. I refuse to deal with that anymore. It ends with me. And so I want to preach to you for a few minutes today on the topic of completing the objective. Completing the objective. God has put before us something that we need to complete that somebody else didn't complete for us. They passed along an objective that they should have done. They, have, they should have completed the job. They should have taken care of it. They should have killed the enemy and given us a life that was easier to lead and live. But they didn't. So quit saying, poor pitiful me. Poor, pitiful me. Somebody gave me a life. I was born into a lifestyle of addiction. I was born into a lifestyle of having spiritual hang-ups, physical hang-ups, and I just, poor, pitiful me, I can't do it. I, I just can't do it, and I was just dealt a bad deck of cards, and, and it's just poor, pitiful me. I, I'm, I'm bound, I'm tormented, I'm depressed, and stop. You're a grown man. You're a grown woman. You need to man up, woman up, and say, it ends with me. It ends with me. The Holy Spirit is here to break the yoke of bondage. You are anointed to be like Joseph. Joseph was a mighty man of God. Joseph broke free from the family curse, but he, he did different. He did things differently than his forefathers. When you look at his lineage and you look at how where he came from and you look at Abraham, Abraham was a, he's referred to as a great man of God. And we look at Abraham, we read about Abraham, and we look at all the great things, but what we don't realize is that Abraham had his demons. I got my demons. I got my demons. Abraham was a liar. He was a liar. Abraham lied and his wife was barren. It was a curse that was given to that family. It was a curse and the family was barren. The wife was barren. Abraham's son lied and then his wife was barren. And then his grandson, he was a liar. Jacob, he took lying to a whole new level. And Jacob was even called surplanter, which means liar, cheat. A conniver. And so we are dealing with, and we have to realize we're dealing with curses, and we realize that what we're dealing with, and when we know the problem, then we can work the problem. We need a plan of action. Amen? So let's get a plan of action. Turn with me in your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Esther. And I want to read Esther chapter 2, verse 5. Now there was in the citadel of Susa a, a Jew of the tribe of Benjamin named Mordecai. Mordecai. That's, that's all I need. But he was a Benjamite. All right. Son of Jair, Jair the son of Shimei, Shimei, the son of Kish. Let me just get to the name I wanted. He was a direct descendant of Kish through the lineage. Okay. Mordecai was a descendant of of Kish, a Benjamite. Now, 
Esther 3 and 1. Let's read this real quick. After these events, King Xerxes honored Haman. Haman was an Agagite. Okay, it's important that we realize who we're dealing with in the bloodline and the lineage. Agagites were sworn enemies of God, and God swore a long time ago that he would wipe the Agagites from the face of the earth for the sin that they committed and the atrocities they committed against the children of Israel. As the children of Israel came out, the first ones that attacked them maliciously and secretively and all kind of ways that was just evil were the, were the Agagites. And God said, I am going to wipe them from the face of the earth. I am going to kill them. And so as time goes on, we read in our Bibles and we understand that Saul was appointed king, the first king of Israel. And as he was appointed, he was given an objective. And and God said, you are to kill the enemy. And he said, you are to kill all of them and take them out. Saul did not do what many of us do in our spiritual walk is he wanted him to kill everything. He wanted him to wipe out everything. But Saul did what many of us do in our spiritual walk. We just want to kill what we want to kill. We just want to get rid of and take care of and exterminate what we want to. But God is saying to us today, saying somebody today, it is time to cut the head off of the snake. It is time once and for all to get everything out of your heart. Not a little bit of sin, not most of the sin, but all of the sin that is in your heart and in your life. And you have got to get rid of everything so that I can be victorious and my kingdom can reign in your life like I so want it to reign in your life. Joseph did things differently. Joseph comes down through that same bloodline. And when you look at Joseph, Joseph ran from sin. And so Joseph's son had a different name attached to him. He was a a son who would be called fruitful. And that curse began to be broken. And that curse was broken through Joseph. Because somebody finally said, somebody finally got the gumption and the gall and the strength to call on the name of the Lord and say, it ends with me. I am tired of messing with this. I'm tired of hearing the stories about my daddy and his daddy and his daddy. No, it ends with me. I was given an objective and I'm going to complete it. I'm not going to be like everybody before me who couldn't complete the objective, who couldn't complete the objective. And I am going to complete the objective and the the thing that was put in front of me to conquer and win. Amen? Those of you that are in the military, you know that when you're given an objective, you better not come back to the general or the sergeant or the lieutenant or whoever's in charge of you and say, we just couldn't do it, sorry. No, that's not an option. That is not an option. You have been called to complete the objective, and you better complete it. There can be no victory in the military world. There can be no victory in battle if the objectives are not completed. I need to bring my...
Don't you know that in battle, there have been times when they're trying to complete the objective and there's a wrench thrown in the gears, there's a hiccup like that. I mean, it's just, oh, well, the mic quit. I have to have this mic. I, I can't, I'm not good at holding another mic. I'm not really, so we'll, we'll see you all next Sunday. I, it, embarrassed, it was embarrassing and I just, so... Listen, you can get to the jalapeno tree a lot quicker. Lord bless y'all. I promise, hey, it's a good message. It's a really good message. And you really want to come back next Sunday. So that was just a teaser. You can come back next Sunday. We'll finish it. Because, I, I mean, that, that really, that was just, that, was, that threw me off. Has anybody ever been thrown off? What's the East Texan term? We th- but what man right there, he throw it off. I have been thrown off. You've been thrown off. And there's been some stuff that happened just like that in your spiritual walk. Stop, regroup. If you need another microphone, grab another microphone and get some help from somebody. I didn't even, did I fix that mic issue? Did I fix that? No, it was Jaheim back there saying, we got you. You need this group of strong believers that somebody yells off from the back and says, we got you. We got you. You walk in these doors, I'm just, oh. I don't even know. I can't even walk. I don't even know what I'm going to do. And somebody says, we got you. You, we, we got you, I got you, I got you, we got you. You need that because sometimes you can't fix it on your own. Well, God, we thank you for this interruption and we thank you, Lord, for that message right there of we got you because we need to hear that. Somebody needed to hear that today. That needed to happen for somebody here today. So Saul is, is, is called to exterminate and execute. I will put exterminate and execute together judgment. And he does not do it. God is saying to someone here today, complete the objective. Quit playing around. Complete the objective because he will pull his anointing. God, he pulled the anointing from Saul. And we have to realize that when Saul, when the anointing was pulled from Saul, Paul began to face something. What did he face? He began to face torment. He faced tor- The Bible says he didn't complete the objective and Saul faced tormenting spirits, demons. They came upon Saul. Why? Because he didn't do what he was called to do. If you don't complete the objective, you are leaving the door cracked open and you're leaving a door for the enemy to walk in and just torment you and torment you and you're miserable and you don't know what's going on in your life and you don't understand all the bad things. But I'm telling you, the devil has come in and he is tormenting you. And he's saying, hey, as long as you're going to let me play, I'm going to play. Well, we're going to play. We're going to have kickball all up in your spirit. We're going to play games. We're just throwing the ball, jumping rope. It's a good time here with you. We're loving it. We're just tormenting you. You can't sleep. You can't eat. You can't drink. And the devil is just wearing your marriage out. He's wearing everything around you out. You are tormented. It's time to kill the devil. There's no middle ground in completing the objective. You're either in the battle or you're in bondage. You're either in the battle or in bondage. There was a time when David chose not to fight with his men. He chose to stay home and he chose not to fight. And David, a mighty warrior, a mighty man of battle, someone, when you read it, he could kill a lion, he could kill a bear. He was a mighty warrior. And then an image of a naked Bathsheba 
And a lustful image in front of him begins to take him down and pull him down. A mighty warrior, one who is mighty in battle, notable among men. But then an image, because he's not out there in the fight. He's not out there in the fight. He's not with his other men and his warriors out there taking out the devil like he should be, completing the objective along with them. We are anointed for such a time as this. We've got to quit watching from the sideline. Do not let everybody else around you do all the work and all of the praying and all of the, the, the demon casting out and the, and the deliverance and every, whatever else we face. Quit putting it on everybody else. Okay? It is time for us to all come together and we will complete this objective together. Know this. Know that whatever isn't transformed is transferred. So we've got Saul who should have done his job. And 500 years later, they're dealing with the daddy's demons. Whatever isn't transformed is transferred. How many of you feel like you've you've had to deal with something in your past? You feel like You've got some of the daddy's demons. You've got some of the mother's demons. And, and you really, so it, some of us were like, oh, I don't want to say those were demons because, no, no. What did I start off this message with? Oppression. There's a difference between being possessed and oppressed. So if you've got something that is a major hang up in your life, and I'm, I'm talking to the, the Christians. I'm talking to the Christians who, you've been saved, I love the Lord. But there's just this one vice that I just seem to always somehow or another find my way back to. I'm speaking to that today. It is time to complete the objective. So if you are going back to and back to, and it's not like, I, you're happy. here's what happens. You're happy because, oh, it's six months. Oh, it's a year. Five years and, and I never whatever. But it's, it's always going back. So I don't, I'm tired of fighting the battle. I want, we, it's time to quit fighting the battle and win the battle. Win the battle. Somebody say, it didn't start with me, but it ends with me. Look at your neighbor and say, it didn't start with you, but it ends with you. All right, all right. Let's read Exodus 20 and 5. Exodus 20 and 5. If you read this, you'll look in here. I'm not going to read the whole verse, but you'll see that God's punishment goes to the third and the fourth generation. Wait a minute. I just want to read Psalms and Proverbs. I just want to read about the blessings of God. I just want to read about how I'm more than a conqueror. I can be all things through Christ who strengthens me. I am blessed and highly favored. I love those verses. Can we please go back to doing it that way, Pastor? Yeah, we can. But what are you going to do when you're dealing with the curses? What are you going to deal do when you're dealing with the sickness and the torment and, and, the, and the pain and the bitterness and the depression? What... We said Wednesday night, we're going to get the hard cases. We cannot put out there on Facebook and on our testimony and we say, listen, we're a church full of comeback stories. Continually better. Somebody's going to hear that. And somebody say, I, I, 
I need a, I need a comeback story. Your comeback story? Man, alive. I, you know, I've been looking for a church for a long time where I could have a comeback story. I would like to have a comeback story. Can I come to your church? Yes. And then we just preach only this. You're blessed and highly favored. You're more than a conqueror. Like, well, uh, <clears throat> newsflash, I, I ain't more than a conqueror right now. I came to you, broke, tore up, disgusted. Let's just say it. Tore up from the floor up. That's how I walked in the door like that. All right? So I love the fact that y'all are positive. You Everything's upbeat. Love the music. Hey, we dancing for the Lord. And Now, uh, how, 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 are, how am I going to get where y'all are at? What, what am I going to do? I see you're there. Great. How do I get there? It's important that we know that this goes from the third to the third and the fourth generation. Proverbs 3 and 33 says this, the, Lord, the Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked. The Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked. You have to exterminate because it's on the house. We know that Noah and all of his house, Lot took his house there was a blessing. There was a saving that came with the whole house. And so we have to realize today that yes, a, a blessing can come to the whole house. A man named Lot can be saved and his whole house, his whole household. Noah, his whole house. And they're all plucked out and they're saved and they're, and they're brought out. But also... The flip side of that coin is there can be a curse on the house and sadly, but true, the whole house. So the whole house begins to suffer from depression, from torment, from anger and they are going over and over and over and they don't know what they're doing and they're spinning their wheels. They're spinning their wheels. They're caught up in anger. They're caught up in torment and fighting. Like we said, the church has been under attack and we attacked it Wednesday and we said, we, God, watch over our marriages and watch over our homes. No show of hands, but I'll raise my hand. This is exactly what happened. We could have a time in our house where the smallest thing turned into what they call it, a, a, a mountain out of a molehill. And I don't know if it's because we're in the hottest time of the year or what. But I do believe that the enemy knows that there's something going on at Covenant Church. There's something going on. There's something about to happen. There's a third day experience about to happening. There's a rising up that's coming on this third day. And if you were here Wednesday night, you know what I'm talking about. That third day experience. And you need a third day experience. It is time. It is time. She said Thursday. Thursday is the time for that to end. I'm not even going to lie. As soon as I said that, I thought, call a three-day fast. And this was, this was my first reaction. That's tough. To myself, I said that. I said self to self. I'm going to do it. Let's do it. Three-day fast starting Monday. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. 
Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. If you want to join in, join in. I'm doing it. We're doing it. Monday, three-day fast. It's over Thursday, and we will rejoice. We will claim victory in the name of Jesus on Thursday morning. I will walk around, and I will raise my hands, and we are going to claim victory in the name of Jesus. Can somebody at least just join me right now, and let's have a praise break for what is coming this week. Hallelujah. Derek said hallelujah. Say, I claim it. Come on, say it like you mean to say, I claim it. I claim victory in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Let me tell you why I believe there's so much power in this three-day fast, and we're fixing to hit on it right now. But before I hit on that, I just want to go back to David. And David, on the passing of his kingdom, David is on his deathbed. And David begins to speak to Solomon, who is going to be anointed king. That whole story, I love that story. Somebody else thought they were going to walk in there and just mosey in there and become king. But no, 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 no. Bathsheba went to the king and she said, hey, don't forget about Solomon. And then Solomon is anointed king. So don't feel like that somebody else can be the ruler and the one that's going to tell you what to do in your life other than somebody anointed by God and appointed by God because this man who thought he was king, he was not king. He just said he was king. But it took an anointing that came from David and he spoke to Solomon and he said, you will be king. I anoint you as king and I bless you as king. But he also told him this, heads up Solomon, I got a few demons that I didn't conquer. So he said, if you're going to be appointed king and your kingdom is going to have the authority that it needs to have and be established and have the objectives to be conquered and taken care of, then you got to take care of a few demons. And these were literal kings and men that he said, you need to kill him. You need to kill him. You need to kill that. And I'm telling you today, there's some sin in your life. You need to kill it. There's something that you've been dealing with. You need to kill it. There's somebody you've been texting and your wife don't know about it. You need to kill it. There's somebody you've been texting and your husband don't know about it. You need to kill it. You feel like you've got a private message going on with somebody right now. It ain't private. God sees it. He knows about it. And you need to kill it. You wait till it's late at night and the lights are out and you, and you need to kill it. There's some things on that screen that you say, I need to kill it. When we turn away from sin and we turn our eyes on Jesus, He will pour out a blessing from on high. I want the blessing. I don't want the cursing. I'm tired of the curse. I want to get away from the curse. Amen, amen. So look at 1 Kings 2 and 46 if you want to put that up there. The kingdom was now established. If you look right there in the middle, he struck. that was one of the last ones. He struck down and killed. And then, only after he killed the last one, then the kingdom was established firmly in Solomon's hands. Many of you feel like you've got it whooped. You've got it taken care of. I've got the kingdom of God. I'm living a, more than a conqueror life. I'm, I'm everything God wants me to be. I'm blessed and highly favored. You are blessed and highly favored. And you are more than a conqueror. But I really feel like what we are is we're just conquerors. 
And you're conquering, and you're conquering, and you're battling, and you're battling. But God calls us to be more than a conqueror. You need to be more than just a conqueror. I enjoy the fact and I relish the fact that we have lots of conquerors. But we need to be more than a conqueror. Everybody say amen. Can I get an amen? You have to deal with the past. The goal is not to pass blame. The goal is not to say, it's my mommy, it's my daddy, it's their fault. Quit being such a child and own up to the fact that you have got things that you need to deal with in your past. Amen? It's, the goal is not to pass, pass blame, but to conquer. Esther knew that there was a cancer in the kingdom. So I brought up Mordecai at the very beginning of this. And Haman, if you don't know that story, go back and read it. It's a great story. I will tell you this. If you've got time, go to Branson, Missouri and watch Esther. It is unbelievable. Great production there. Talk to me after church. I'll tell you about it. It's the most amazing thing. It's a long drive there and a long drive back. You'll have to spend the night. Oh, heaven forbid we take a vacation. That It's going on till uh, December. Annette and Billy, they... They went and watched it. It is unbelievable. And it's so, it's exactly right on point biblical from beginning to end. They don't take one word of the Bible out of context. You're welcome. Uh, Lights and sound. Gave you a plug. Lights and sound in Branson, Missouri. Sight and sound. Sight and sound. Didn't get paid one dime for that. I should. (laughs) Esther knew that there was a cancer in the kingdom. But what she realized is this spiritual battle. If we don't realize who we're battling... And we feel like, oh, I'm just, I just need to work hard and just get it right. I just need to focus. I talked Wednesday and I said, you cannot discipline your way into deliverance. You have got to have the blood of Jesus and the name of Jesus spoken over you. And you've got to pray. You've got to fast. You have got to reach out and seek for God. You can't just say, I'm just going to do better. Well, you've been saying, I'm just going to do better for about 35 years. I'm going to just do better For 60 years, I've been saying, for 60 years, I'm just going to do better. It's time to conquer. It's time to complete the objective. She had heavenly authority, and she realized this is a spiritual battle. Esther, when she realizes the problem, and she realizes what she's going against, and she's going against Haman, she could have pulled her political strings But she chooses not to pull those political strings. And she, first thing she pulls is a three-day fast. Read your Bible. That's exactly what Esther did. She realized this is a spiritual battle. And she pulled a three-day fast. It's time to revoke the access and close the door. In the name of Jesus, it is time to do this. Praise team, y'all come on up. It is time for me to get out of the way and for somebody to receive the deliverance that they need. Also, if you're getting baptized, work your way on back to the back. It's time to get somebody under that water and wash away the sins with the mighty, powerful name of Jesus. Of Jesus, He washes away our sins. He cleanses us. Man, we might have six, seven, eight people getting baptized. If you want to get baptized, we got the water ready. I see multiple people moving around here, and it's exciting. We are excited about those getting baptized. Amen, amen. All right, let's look at this story of Esther just a little bit more. Esther 5 and 1, if they'll put Esther 5 and 1. On the third day, Esther put on her royal robes. Everybody say royal robes. 
and stood in the inner court of the palace in front of the king's hall. The king was sitting on his royal throne in the hall facing the entrance. The main thing we want to focus on here is Esther put on her royal robe. You have a royal authority. You have a God-given ability to speak against the devil. You have exactly what you need, a God-given right. You are a member and a, a proponent of the kingdom of God. And He is calling you today. He is calling you today. Are we listening? Are we listening? So she puts on the royal robe. I will tell you today, you have got to put on the whole armor of God. The whole armor of God. Not just part of the armor. armor Because of the battle that you are going to face. The battle that we all face. Put on the whole armor of God. When do we put on the whole armor of God? We put on the whole armor of God when it's when the battle's won? No, we put on the whole armor of God when all hell is breaking loose. And you say, well, I'm being tormented by demons. I'm being tormented by so much I can't come to church. Are you kidding me? This is exactly where you need to be when you're facing torment. But I, I can't do this. I can't, I can't get my life together until I get my life together. Who's going to help you get your life together? Jesus, the blood of Jesus. One of the last points I want to make here, and this is, a, this is a great point of this story. Esther, when she realizes what she's facing, and she knows that Haman is the snake that he is, Haman has no idea what is about to happen to him. And don't you know it was so sweet for Esther just to be sitting in that room with all of the leaders and her king, and she's the queen, and she's just thinking to herself, oh, this boy don't have any idea what's about to rain down on him. And so today, I want you to realize, as we all stand today, I want you to realize that you need to be speaking this right now. Oh, devil, devil, oh, you have no idea, devil, the heaven that is about to rain down on your hell. You have no idea what is about to rain down on you. I'm talking about a flood of angels, a flood of deliverance. The mighty hand of God is about to, you're about to be cast out. And so Haman has no idea. He has no idea. And what does Esther do? This is what Esther does. It could have been a time. So this is what I want to realize here in this story of how we're facing demons. I've got my demons. So many things that we're facing. And, we, and, and that's the moment where we're like, I panic. The children of Israel are going to be killed in this story. And, you're going to, and Haman's going to kill all of the children of Israel. And he's going to kill me. And my name's really not Esther. My name is Hadassah. And, and I'm, scared to, I'm scared to tell the king who I really am. Has anybody, you could, you could relate with me on this and you say, I'm really scared to tell Jesus who I really am. I'm really scared to open up to my heavenly father. I'm really scared to open up to somebody else and to really confess my sins and say, I really am this and I really need this. And you've been scared. And he's saying right now, you know, when the king found out that she was an Israelite, it did not change his love for her. He backed her up and he was with her. So don't be afraid of going to the king. No, her name was really not Esther. It was Hadassah. And so here's what we had to realize in this story. In the time where she could have panicked, 
and run to the king and just plead in her case and said, oh, please don't kill us. Please don't kill us. Save us, save us, save us. No, what does she do? She calls for a date with the king. She calls for a dinner. You know, I just have to feel like that there was a part of Esther who was like, I know so full well what's about to happen to Haman. I just want to relish it for a little bit. I just want to be able to call this dinner and have him sweating profusely at the table like, what does she know? What does she know? I'm getting nervous. I don't know. The devil is getting nervous. The devil got real nervous when we called a three-day fast just a second ago. And he's like, oh, man, I don't know. i got to fight harder. i got to fight harder. What am I going to do? Haman was pacing back and forth. Haman doesn't know what to do. Oh, oh, I don't know what to do. I feel like I'm about to be attacked. I feel like I'm about to have somebody come against me. What am I going to do? I thought I was in favor. I thought I, was, I thought I had the king's favor. What's going on? No, Haman, you are about to die. It is time for Haman to die. So she calls a dinner, a date with the king. Why does she do that? It's because you need to learn right now that you need to be able to eat. You need to be able to consume the word of God. You need to be able to eat in the presence of your enemies. You don't look at it and go, I'm around my enemy. My enemy's all around me. I'm scared. I can't eat. No. What does the Bible say? He prepares a table in the presence of my enemies. And so even though all hell may be breaking loose, even though Haman and sin may be all around me and the devils are all around me, I will eat. I will eat. I will take in. I will learn how to pray in the presence of my enemies. I will learn how to read my Bible in the presence of my enemies. I will worship. I will lift my hands to God in the presence of my enemies. Why? Because I read that my Father says, I will prepare a table before you in the presence of your Haman. So whatever your Haman is, it's time for you to eat. It's time for you to eat and partake of what God has for you. You got demons? Invite them to church for lunch. And you watch how God eats them up, chews them up, and just spits them out in the name of Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Let's give a praise break right now. Let's worship God right now for what he's doing in the name of Jesus. I'm opening up these altars right now. And right now, if this has been you, and you realize I've got a Haman in my life. I've got something that is a Haman in my life, and I am ready to kill it. I am ready to kill it. Come on, come on. Let's get down here to the altars. Baptism can wait for a second. Let's get down here to these altars right now. Come on. Come on. Don't wait. Some of you need to be running to the altar. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold it right there, hold it right there. If you're full of the Holy Ghost right now, I need, you to be, I need you to be up here right now. Quickly, quickly, quickly. Get up here and get your hands on somebody's shoulders. Quickly. We got people that have real issues. Quit. Hey, what did I say earlier? Quit acting like somebody else is going to do the work for you. It's time to get some work in. If my God, if we can't put our hand on somebody's shoulder and say in the name of Jesus, what is, how weak are we? Get out of your pew and get up here and put your hand on somebody's shoulder and start praying for them. 
pray for your brother. If you need prayer, are you going to hope that everybody else sits back and watches? No, you want everybody to be up there praying with you. So let's pray for our brothers. Let's pray for our sisters right now in the name of Jesus. God is about to reject the enemy. Access is about to be denied. And we are going to shut the door in the name of Jesus.
deliverance. Let's praise God right now for putting a marriage back together. Let's praise God right now for a healing from anger, from bitterness, from addiction. In the name of Jesus, let's give him praise right now. Let's praise the name of Jesus for what he's doing. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, open your mouth. Hallelujah. somebody here right now and you're like I hadn't moved I haven't I haven't reached out but I feel like I want to reach out right now to time right now to, is your time right now is your time if there's one more person if there's two more people I don't care if there's ten more people if there's somebody else come up here come up here you've been waiting you've been waiting if that's you I want you to make your way up here right now I'm making the opportunity available if there's no one there's no one but we don't want anybody to walk out of this place needing a something needing a touch we cannot walk out of here needing anything god is here to fulfill every need he's here to deliver you from every addiction he's here to deliver us from every battle from every sin church this ain't no game this is not a game one right here come on let's gather around her right now in the name of jesus Somebody waited and waited and waited, and right now she said, I need I need a touch. I need a touch. Come on, let's let's bind together in the name of Jesus. Let's bind the devil in Jesus' name. Let's bind the enemy in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. I got one more right here. One more. Come on, somebody pray. Come on, Angela. Come on, Mary. Right now, in the name of Jesus, right now, in the name of Jesus.
you got to bring a gun to a gunfight. And right now, we're facing the enemy for some people. And so you don't bring a knife to a gunfight. You bring a gun, a bigger gun, the biggest gun to the gunfight. And you watch your, your God, my God, the only God, Jesus. You watch him reign supreme in your battle. You been, baby, that they didn't got baptized. She said, You want to do the baptisms? Hey, the whole time we're praising worshiping. It's splash, splash, splash. They're back there swimming, back there doing cannonballs. Hey, be here tonight. Be here tonight. Ladies, you're going to be uh, separate from the men. Men, we're going to meet downstairs, downstairs at 6 o'clock for direction. And vision, and I'm going to just speak a word of wisdom and power into our men. We will be like a brother that told me the other day in a text. He said, We got to be a band of brothers. We're a band of brothers. Amen. We're going to fight together. We're going to win together. In Jesus' name. 